Welcome to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank that brings you market views and insights on the go. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of Through the Noise. Russia and Ukraine are dominating the news headlines and market movements this week. It's a time like these that it's useful for investors to, rather than getting consumed by the minute-to-minute news flow, try to step back and figure out the constraints faced by those involved and what this means for their actions and overall outlook. This is what we do in our weekly market view publication this week, which is titled What to Make of the Ukraine Crisis. To take us through our perspectives of the evolving situation, I'm really pleased to have Daniel Lam, who runs our equity strategy team based in Hong Kong, um, with me today. Apart from the Ukraine situation, we'll also discuss its implications on oil and energy stocks, Europe and China earnings, as well as whether the yen is a safe haven. So, Daniel, let's start with Russia and Ukraine. So most of the commentary is obviously focused on will they or won't they in terms of whether Russia will invade Ukraine. This is obviously important for investors, but maybe you can explain why Ukraine is potentially important. Well, the most important point is that whether Russia may be cutting off the natural gas supplies to Europe, which would add significant issues on the humanitarian side, and given that we are in the depths of cold or depths of winter in Europe, um, this is you know, potentially an issue where there are major implications. And of course, that would feed through to natural gas prices and also ultimately into oil prices. Okay, so, so the way I like to think about geopolitical decisions is the constraints facing different policymakers, as I think this can be very instructive. Uh, when it comes to trying to predict what they'll do in different scenarios. So from where I'm sitting, it sounds like Europe has a pretty weak bargaining position given its reliance on Russian natural natural gas. What do you think this means for the likelihood of Russia and Ukraine situation being something we're still worrying about in three months' time, say? Well, actually, it is more two-way. It's not just Europe, but Russia's also got its own concerns because basically... If this is a long drawn out process, and if there is any, um, I guess, uh, hits to the supply of natural gas and oil, this would hit the Russian economy uh, really badly because they're still depending a lot on their uh, revenue from these two supplies. Um, Europe, of course, won't avoid this because it's going to damage the economy um, even further. And of course, Russia, they don't want to give Europe an incentive to plan for any energy security without Russian gas supplies. So it's really two-way. So we don't see a long, drawn-out process to this. But um, in the short term, um, there is likely to be um, volatility ahead still. And it does not rule out the possibility of Russia going into Ukraine in some shape or form. Uh, But it does mean that NATO um, is likely to be reluctant to get fully involved militarily. Okay, so let's move on to financial markets. What does this mean for investors? We think that basically um, you know, this is a short-term, um, I guess, uh, phenomenon. Um, we want to look through the noise. We want to look at the growth picture and the inflation picture. We think that is still the key factors, um, key more longer-term factors that is driving the markets. So growth, um, basically, if you look at this week's figure, um, we see stronger than expected U.S. retail sales data. 
uh, but inflation is also remaining very high. So this is putting the pressure on the Fed to react uh, strongly to this. Uh, but if you look at uh, other indicators, uh, the yield curve is flattening. There's a decline in long-term inflation expectations. And China's um, producer price data is also looking weaker. So this is suggesting that um, you, this is, explains why you know, this week's um, release of the minutes from the, um, from the Fed meeting is a little bit more balanced than what people uh, thought it would be. Um, but we think that right now um, there is a current weakness in the in the um, in the cycle, but we see that as a mid cycle pullback rather than the end of the cycle. So we think that investors should still be using this as a window of opportunity to gradually add risk uh, to their positions in both bonds and equities. Okay, um, then let's let's move back to oil. Maybe obviously uh, higher oil and gas prices have been a boon for the energy sector. Um, you know, energy equities are up 17% um, year to date, obviously, against the trend we're seeing in most other sectors. Um, in your opinion, what's the impact of higher prices going to be going forward? We think that energy sector is likely to be supported um, in the near term um, because you see that basically um, the earnings um, for the full year 2021 has been you know, very strong. It started from no base, but it's very strong in the energy sector. Um, in 2022, we see that the earnings growth is likely to normalize. But if you look at the price action um, in the energy stocks, you can see that in terms of, uh, from a technical perspective, it is looking uh, very reasonable in terms of return versus risk. So you're seeing that on, I guess, days of pullback, um, the key level of support um, were being held with very good buying volume. And on the upside, it's grinding uh, very nicely. Okay, So we, we think that in the short term, there's still a uh, reasonable uh, upside uh, for the sector. Um, another asset class that you may think about is the emerging market bonds, because uh, one would think that higher oil prices, um, especially from those oil exporting countries, uh, would help this uh, EM bond index. But if you look at uh, historical analysis since 1994, there's no close relationship between the bond index and the oil prices. So we continue to see the EM bonds as a core holding rather than preferred asset class for now. Okay, um, so let's move on to earnings season um, in Europe and China. Obviously, we've had earnings seasons in the US. That's generally been pretty good. Um, But from a Europe and China perspective, what are you looking for from here? Okay, so in Europe, about half the companies in stock 600 have reported their earnings and um, they have surprised on the upside uh, mildly. Okay, the sector that is in focus is technology sector, which is delivering the biggest um, positive earnings surprise. And it is a sector that um, we are overweight on and we continue to do so. Um, in China, some large companies will start the earnings seasons this week. And amongst the large sectors, uh, consumer discretionary staples are expected to concentr- uh, contribute more significantly to 2022 growth compared to 2021 because the government policies um, is stab- uh, to stabilize the economy is requiring consumption uh, to be at a healthy level. And these two sectors are obviously um, in the heart of that. And in the meantime, communication services um, is benefiting significantly from the pandemic-led stay-home restrictions, 
So we think that growth um, in this um, sector is also going to be quite important as well to the earnings outlook. Okay, so let's let's end on a little bit of a cautionary note. So obviously, a lot of we're getting a lot of questions from our clients saying, "Okay, bond prices are going down, equity prices are going down. Um, what are the best ways to hedge the downside risk in portfolios in this environment?" Uh, a natural um, option is the Japanese yen. Often does very well in risk-off environments. Hasn't actually done so well this time. Um, but do you think it's looking forward? Do you think it's a good portfolio hedge? Well, on the yen, in terms of medium-term valuation models, it is looking extremely cheap. Um, as a popular funding currency, it is also oversold. But on the other hand, if you uh, listen to what um, Governor Caroda said, um, he does not think that monetary policy would be um, turning hawkish, okay, which could um, pressurize the uh, Japanese yen or keeping it relatively weak. Uh, if you look at the charts, you can see that the dollar yen is registered a double top around 116.35, and there is strong resistance up to 117. Um, on the other hand, there's downside support from 112 to 113.50, uh, but this support could be quickly tested in a risk off scenario. Okay, so basically, against this backdrop, we think that long yen positions um, may offer an attractive hedge in the e- event of um, escalating risk in the markets. Okay, um, that's all that we have time for today. Daniel, thank you so much for your insights. As as always, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, Thank thank you, you. listener, for listening in today. Um, It's really uh, good that you've joined us as well. Um, Please, obviously, feel free to rate and uh, review and like us uh, and wherever you get your podcasts. And in the meantime, please stay safe and uh, keep well. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Standard Chartered Money Insights, a podcast series by Standard Chartered Bank. For more details on the latest market insights, subscribe to Standard Chartered Money Insights.